Amen. Boy, that song is high. <clears throat> well, Psalm 150. Did you ever think we would ever make it? Psalm 150, the last psalm of the book. Then we'll just start over. And don't just, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> oh, goodness. Just a couple of reminders. Tomorrow night is Ladies Bible Study at 6.30 p.m. Uh, teachers meeting is on Sunday. Teachers, if you're at all possible to be there, please be there. Um, Philathia class is the next Tuesday, I believe it is, November 14th, and that's at Kathy Hormel's home, right, at 1 p.m. Uh, and then Thanksgiving and praise service is coming up around the corner before we know it, and uh, then the decorating party on December 2nd. We're not doing it the week the, the weekend of Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to put it off a week since there's not a Sunday in December until after that date anyway, so... Um, give people a chance to spend time with their families and stuff like that. People like to go shopping and things like that. So uh, we'll see how that works out. Psalm 150. <coughs> a lot of books will have an epilogue at the end of the book. Uh, it kind of summarizes and wraps up the story a little bit. Psalm 150 is kind of an epilogue for the hymnal, uh, the Hebrew hymnal here. And it summarizes the entire book of Psalms with its overarching theme of praising the Lord. That is kind of the theme of Psalms uh, throughout. I got stuck in my cough drop for a second. <laughs> well, here the psalmist encourages the entire earth to uh, lift up their voices to praise the Lord. And one commentator said it is an exciting, exuberant song that beats with the rhythm of joy, wonder, and adoration of God. I don't think I could have described it any better. Uh, in Psalm 150, we see a call to praise ye the Lord, or hallelujah uh, is the Hebrew words there, two words together. And it's, of course, where we get our word hallelujah from. Last five chapters of Psalms uh, start and end with that, and same with this psalm here. Here in Psalm 150, we see three main questions answered in these verses. Who should praise, why we should praise, and how we should praise. And so we're going to look at that tonight. Let's read Psalm 150 together first before we go uh, into the first point. I'm going to read it out loud. You don't have to read it silently. I'm just, <coughs> just need a second here. <coughs> Verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments of, and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. So you get the idea that we're supposed to praise the Lord? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, the first question that it, that it talks about is who should praise him? And that's number one. We see that in verse number one. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. And praise him in the firmament of his power. First, first thing mentioned in this uh, call to praise is just the sanctuary. This being the tabernacle most likely at this time, depending on when this psalm was written, uh, but would be just as applicable to the temple or even the modern day church today. Uh, and we're supposed to pay, praise him in his sanctuary. And all those who enter into his sanctuary need to praise God. <clears throat> we need to set aside the cares 
of this life and praise the Lord. Uh, we all have struggles. We all have troubles. And we all have griefs. Uh, but when we enter into the sanctuary, we need to purposefully in our thoughts and feelings be present before the Lord. Uh, we need to come expecting to get a blessing. Uh, we need to come to him with praise and an open heart to hear from him. You might say, I, I don't feel like praising him right now. I, I can't really see how I could praise God in my situation. Well, that's where faith has to enter. Uh, by faith, knowing what we know about God, he is here even when we don't feel him. He is listening even though we don't see the results of that listening. He does love you even though sometimes we don't know we wonder. He is trying to mold you though into who he wants you to be. And knowing by faith this is this and so much more, we can purposely turn to God and in praise uh, uh, lift up our voices to him. The second portion of this verse says, praise him in the firmament of his power. The word translated firmament means expanse. It's an all-inclusive word. It literally means a spread out thing. <laughs> and it's used often for the sky, the firmament, the outer space as well and all of that. But it is an inclusive word which would include all of the earth, the heaven, and all that is in the firmament combined. It's a call for everything to praise the Lord for his power. It's a reference to his creative power, which created the firmament. There's no one and no thing exempt from the inclusion of this verse. Everything and everything one is called to praise. And we're called upon to praise the Lord. And so we have answered this first question, who should praise him? Let's go to the second question. Why should we praise him? Verse number two. Verse 2 says, praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Here we see two reasons why everyone on earth and in heaven should praise the Lord. First, he says, because of his mighty acts. What are his mighty acts? Well, creation was mighty enough just by itself. He spoke the world and all that is therein into existence. Then he took the time to mold man out of the dust of the earth. Isn't that interesting? When you think about that, how special we are to God. He could have spoken us into existence. But he took the time to mold us out of the dust. Uh, you know, his creative power did all of this around us. Not only that, but his sustaining power. Sustains this earth. Keeps it going. Keeps it on its axis. Keeps it on its orbit. Just a little bit closer to the sun, we'd burn up. Just a little bit farther away from the sun, we'd freeze to death. And God has it just where it needs to be, and he sustains it. He keeps it going. Uh, his revelation is a mighty act. He has revealed to us, to us who, he was, who he is. We would have no hope of knowing who he is without him revealing himself to us. And that's a mighty act. His preservation, how he has preserved his word, but also us. Through the ages, his people, his church has survived many attacks and will survive many more. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it because he preserves it. But also his mighty acts of salvation. How he, even though we turned our back on him, even though we rejected him, 
He loved us so much that he made a way of, of salvation for us. When we didn't deserve it, and yet he loved us. And sanctification, that process by which even though we, have, uh, we are filthy, rotten sinners, he saves us and then begins that process to change us little by little every day, more and more and more to be like him. That's a mighty act, amen? To make this thing become like him, that's a mighty act. And his provision, how he provides for us every day, his forgiveness, all of it, the incredible mighty acts. Now, the Israelites would have looked at the Red Sea, and if this is, like many believe, post-exilic psalm, they would have looked at the mighty act of him releasing them from bondage. In Babylon, and uh, they would have looked at all the mighty acts that he's performed for them. No, that's the freshest thing, but boy, how much more do we have to praise him for? The list could go on and on. His mighty acts are beyond limit. Then secondly, the psalmist tells us why we should praise him. Secondly, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Not just what he does, but for who he is. He's worthy of that praise. The word excellent comes from a Hebrew word indicating a large number, an abundance, numerous. And the word greatness speaks to his majesty and his greatness. Our praise is to be equal to his greatness. It's impossible. And yet we got to try. He's worthy of it. We have a long ways to go. The Lord is unparalleled in his greatness. There's no one like him. No person or being could possibly compare with him. God's own attributes are seen in his very names. He shows us who he is and the greatness and the vastness of him is seen just in what his names are. And they bear testimony to how great a God we serve. He's able to do, far, uh, do for us far more than we could ever imagine. Ephesians 3.20 tells us, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly all the, above all that we ask or, uh, ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Above all anything else that we can even imagine, he is able to do. No one can compare to him. Jeremiah 10.6 says, For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great in might. He is above all and over all. First Chronicles 29.11 tells us, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. We can't even begin to understand all that he's doing and all that he is. His ways are much higher than ours. We cannot fathom them. Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts than your thoughts. We can't question God. What are you doing, God? He said, you can't possibly understand. My ways are above your ways. My thoughts are above your thoughts. You can't possibly understand all the intricacy of what I have woven together. Just trust me. He's so beyond our understanding and our greatness. Yet he cares about us. 
The very idea that someone so vast and wonderful would care about us, much less call us family. 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Oh man, what love God has bestowed on us. So we have seen who should praise the Lord. We've seen why should we praise the Lord. Now let's look at the question of how we should praise the Lord. Beginning of verse 3, it says, Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. One thing is obvious. God wants us to, mu to use music to praise him. Amen? Anything that can make a sound, it would seem, should be used to praise him. <laughs> but all of these instruments mentioned have a sound that encourages joy and praise. We ought to use anything we can to praise him with joyful sounds and joyful dancing. The Apostle John saw in his vision and revelation that the primary way that we will praise him in heaven is going to be through music. Revelation 5, verse 9 says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Revelation 14.3 tells us, They sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. Revelation 15, verses 1 through 4 says, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the, day, the, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses and the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. You think we're going to do some singing and praising in heaven? We are. You know, I wonder what the tune of those new songs are. I guess if we knew it wouldn't be a new song. But we ought to be creating a little bit of heaven here on earth, amen, and praising him. The psalmist mentioned specifically some instruments, the, the trumpet, uh, most likely the, well, the word that's used there in the Hebrew is shofar. It's a ram's horn. 
meant to proclaim and call people. Uh, psalm, uh, psaltery, uh, it's a harp or a lyre, a stringed instrument. Uh, the word that's actually translated harp is a is specifically word the specific word that deals with a harp that's built into a an acoustical chest or board. Think of something akin to a guitar or a violin. Uh, Josephus, a Jewish historian, said that it was played with a plectrum or a pick. Uh, sounds like a it's a little bit like a guitar, uh, but modern Hebrew word kinor, which is the word that's used here is the modern word for, uh, for violin. And so we don't really know what it was exactly, but it had, it had the connotation of some sort of sounding board that amplified the sound. Well, also here, timbrel, the tambourine, uh, stringed instruments. Uh, these, this, uh, the harp is a stringed instrument and some of the other things that we talked about here, but uh, this is a, a plural word that group, it's, it deals with a group of stringed instruments. Uh, you know, think maybe like a string section of an orchestra, but probably not quite so, li- uh, so many uh, or varying possibly, I don't know. Uh, he says the organ, since the, it's actually a flute, a long slim tube with holes in the fingers for finger, fingering the, uh, while blowing the holes. Uh, through the through the main hole uh, would include a probably a pan flute as well possibly even uh, then it talks about symbols in fact it says loud symbols uh, some people wouldn't like that I think but uh, the Bible says it um, but the Hebrew word salislam uh, uh, refers to one or two circular concave brass plates that create musical sound when struck sounds like a symbol that I know too <laughs> and there's a Repetition for this one as well is described the second time as a high-sounding symbol. Uh, then in verse 6, comes to the pinnacle of instruments, our voices. Verse 6, it says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise you, the Lord. After all these instruments that are singing, he says, then it's our turn. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. If you're breathing God's air, <coughs> you ought to be praising God with it. Amen. And we need to be faithful to praise the Lord. And we're wrapping up Psalm 150, wrapping up the sermons on the Psalms here. And I think it's fitting that we uh, praise the Lord. Amen? And it's a mighty act of God to allow us to go verse by verse through the book of Psalms. And uh, so we will practice what uh, we understood here. Let's turn to page 21. We're going to sing the doxology, Marilyn. <clears throat> She mentioned it last Sunday, or Wednesday, and uh, we haven't sung the doxology in a while, and so let's sing it. (coughs) All right, let's sing it together. I don't even have it on the screen, I don't think, but that's all right. We'll just look at the books. Here we go. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Aren't you glad that we can sing praises to God? Amen. What a joy it is, the gift of music that God has given us. Well, I knew this was going to be a short sermon. I didn't think it was going to be this short. 
But uh, praise the Lord anyhow. Amen. Let's look at some prayer requests tonight and uh, see if we can gather some of those. <clears throat> Thank you for your prayers for Tanya uh, Paramo. Uh, we had the call out yesterday. Uh, 